Support for To The Point comes from Bausch & Lomb. Beautiful and healthy looking eyes? It shouldn't be a compromise. Lumify Eye Illuminations, developed by the experts at Bausch & Lomb exclusively for the sensitive eye area. To cleanse, nourish, and brighten. Lumify Eye Illuminations, only in the eye care aisle. Ocular surface disease. It's complex, chronic, and progressive, but rife with opportunity for the enterprising optometrist. The mission of this podcast is to make this condition more understandable and accessible to those interested and specializing in it. So let's get to the point. Welcome to another episode of the To The Point Podcast. My name is Jackie Garlick, and I'm joined by my co-host, Leslie O'Dell. And we are super excited to be talking all about allergy. There's such extensive overlap between allergy and dry eye. And so we brought in our favorite allergy expert, Dr. Milton Hom. So Dr. Hom practices in Azusa, California. Dr. Hom's a scientific fellow of the American College of Asthma, Allergy, and Immunology. He's an internationally recognized expert and researcher in therapeutics, dry eye, presbyopia, contact lenses, and allergy. He is also co-medical director for the multi-site Neurosensory Abnormalities in Systematic Ocular Surface Patients Study. And Dr. Hama has written four books and published over 200 papers and peer review abstracts. So I thought we could maybe uh, kind of walk into allergies with kind of doing a nice overview on allergies and, and the overlap. I mean, this is a dry eye podcast, so we really have to, um, we couldn't really have a podcast without talking about dry eye and allergies fit into that. I believe. So can I hear from you on your um, overview of allergies and and how you feel that overlaps between uh, dry eye? Yeah, you know, um, we did a study a few years ago with uh, Len Bellori. He's a world famous allergist that's really concentrating a lot on allergic conjunctivitis. And, you know, I got in a discussion with him about the overlap of allergy and dry eye. So we ended up doing a study and we found that, you know, there are the overlaps over 50%. So it's almost like, you know, if you just are looking just for one entity, um, you're going to miss the other one. I mean, the way I look at clinically is you got to look at both and they're very, very similar. I think that's a great point. And I, I feel like oftentimes I'm seeing a lot of similar clinical presentations um, and maybe I should care less about if it's one or the other and think of it more like a possibility for the and approach. But does that change the way that you would manage those patients at all? Do you think less for, uh, you know, topical or systemic antihistamines, for example, if you have a patient that has a high osmolarity? All right. So, you know, like I said, there's an overlap of 50 to 60%. I'm beginning to think now that, um, you know, you think about it, it's almost like, um, it, you know, we're doing a lot of work with central and peripheral pain. And what we're finding is that, uh, you know, a lot of them are actually mixed components. So what I'm thinking now is, is that, you know, you have an allergy component and then you also have a dry eye component. And uh, one of them could be larger than the other. They could both be equal. Um, and I think uh, probably in terms of treatment, uh, treatment is really relatively the same between the allergy and dry eye. Uh, you might want to bias if you think that allergies may be overwhelming at the time, maybe bias towards more allergy treatment, or maybe if the dry eye, you know, MGDs, uh, so on and so forth, then you might want to go ahead and bias 
towards that direction. But uh, usually, you know, typically clinically, and I was talking to Jackie about this earlier, is that, uh, you know, if a patient comes in with a dry eye, I assume that I also have allergy. And what I'll do is I'll prescribe both an antihistamine and a dry eye medication at the same time. I, and, and for most of the patients, you know, I, I'd probably say 90% of the patients, you know, it works. Of course, you know, we have the other ones that don't work. And that's when you get into more of the specialty treatments and things like that. But, uh, you know, just simply giving both of them, uh, treating both of them usually, usually works pretty well for, you know, me and my practice. So can you, do you see that there's anything different clinically? I mean, I know in school we're taught, or we think, you know, more allergies, we think this patient is going to be complaining of itchiness, but sometimes you'll see this sort of papillary response in patients that aren't itchy. Do you find certain clinical signs that you're looking for, or you're just sort of assuming you guys probably have both and I'm just going to treat you both with, for the dry eye component and for the allergy component. You know, you know, Jackie, I just love what you said because not all allergic conjunctivitis is itchy. Not all. I mean, how many times have you had patients that come in without itch, but it's obvious allergy. They're tearing, their eyes are red. You have got capillary response. You got all these things going on are you itchy? No, but you have allergies. So yeah, you, you, you hit it right, right there. Um, you know, uh, you know, one thing that we started looking at and, and Leslie will attest to this too, is that uh, we started looking at car uncles. Uh, now, how often do you look at a car uncle? Well, what we did was that we went ahead and put stain in there and took a look and we found actually that car uncles have a papillary response and, and it kind of, you know, stands to reason because you know, when you have uh, a lot of pollen in the air, it gets into the tears. So where does it drain? It drains right here. And where's your caruncle? Right there. So really, uh, we found that that's actually a, a clinical sign that the patient also has allergy. I got to say, I don't pay attention to the caruncle, uh, but I'm going to start actually. But I do, I do find that a lot of my allergy patients have a lot more, you know, even just conjunctival staining nasally you know, compared to other parts of their eye. If you just move your slit lamp a tiny bit more nasally, you'll find that that kind of staining pattern comes right up into the caruncle. Um, it was really interesting. The second part of that study, I think we disproved, but I was also convinced that those patients were growing more eyelashes in that area. So we were testing that too, but I, I think we did not prove that that had any relevance. Um, so I actually will say that I've been looking much more at the caruncle for, for some of my dry eye patients, um, especially when they have like a foreign body sensation nasally or, you know, now looking for the allergy. What is your allergy eye drop of choice? What do you like? Oh, so, you know, I mean, there's anti-muscarinic effects with uh, antihistamines. And what's interesting is that uh, I was presenting a paper at the uh, College of Allergy and I'm also a fellow there. And what happened was, was that I was standing right next to a, another allergist and he was looking at my poster and I was looking at his poster and he was mentioning uh, the fact that um, most of the uh, uh, allergy drops that we see now have been reversion from allergy drops that are actually oral allergy drops. So oral allergy drops have been reversion into eye drops so that we can use it in the eye. And he was mentioning that, you know, uh, an antihistamine is not worth its salt unless it has an extreme drying effect. It has to dry out. 
antihistamines must dry out. Otherwise, they would never make it to market. And this is what we're talking about. You know, nasal sprays, we're talking about oral antihistamines. It must have a drying effect. And really, when you take a look at most of the antihistamines that are out there, I'm talking about oral and also nasal, the reason why that uh, the major indication is what? It's rhinitis. So it has to dry out the mucous membranes. If it doesn't dry out the mucous membranes, then it's not worth anything. So what does that mean for the dry eye? What does that mean for the ocular surface? It means that they dry out the ocular surface also. Otherwise, they would have never made it to market. So um, the drying effect is called the anti-muscarinic effect. And Wade went ahead and did a study, and he took a look at all the different antihistamines, especially the ones that we use for the eye. And to believe it or not, there is varying levels of dryness or varying levels of anti-muscarinic effects for different antihistamines. In fact, the antihistamines that are on the market today that we use, let's say for drops, they all have different drying effects. Probably the one that, that dries out the most is Optivar or Azetelastine. That one is a generic available, but that has an extremely strong anti-muscarinic effect. The ones with really, really low anti-muscarinic effects are things that are called like Ebonastine, which is actually Elistat, or something like Alcaphidine, which is actually Lastacaf. So usually I bias more towards those uh, drops that have lower anti-muscarinic effects based on the fact that, you know, you don't want to have the, the antihistamine responsible for also inducing more dry eye, which is already there. Do you think that for your patients that are kind of suffering from both, that if you have a certain amount of time, you know, we see with flares, we're maybe targeting these two week window. Are you thinking it? Are you thinking of it more like seasonality? If you have a patient that has spring allergies, for example, do you just say, take this in addition to whatever you're doing for dry eye until the pollen counts go down or the things have bloomed or what's your guidance there? Are you using symptoms or I'm just curious about that? So, okay. So you're talking about dry, you're talking about dry eye flares. Is that what you're talking about? No, I'm saying when you have your allergy patient that you want to really dry up because they're having a lot of allergy, but they also might be a dry eye patient. Um, do you have a window that you do your overlap treatment? You know, is it normally it takes you two weeks or four weeks or whatever it you know might take for you to break the cycle of the allergy, I guess, is what I'm wondering. Is it cyclical like that or not that you found? Yeah, you know, um, chromalin also uh, and um, uh, another drug called Alacryl, what, what they found is that over two weeks, the, um, uh, the effect, uh, the antihistamine effect, um, mast cell effect, so on and so forth, increases over a two-week two week period. So yeah, I would say after two weeks is probably where I would, you know, make, yeah, I, I would probably give that, that that kind of window. You, you know, these antihistamine drugs, have you seen some of the clinical studies on them? I mean, it's not like, well, you know, do they work like, you know, in one week? No, no. Do they relieve itch like in one minute, yeah. three minutes, five minutes? That's what the data says. I mean, these things work extremely fast. So, you know, when you talk about, you know, what kind of event horizon you're talking about, you know, I mean, I think two weeks is plenty of time that you're going to go ahead and see some sort of changes there. 
So, you know, when we have like a patient that has allergies, um, ocular allergies, let's say, I'm always asking them, are you also taking an oral antihistamine as well, you know, from battling both allergies and dry eye with this patient? And, uh, you know, sometimes if they are and they don't really need any need it for a systemic reason, they're taking it because they think it will help their eyes. And so I then encourage them to not do that. But let's say a patient has a lot of rhinitis and sinusitis with allergies. Is there a particular systemic allergy medication that is better for our dry eye patients? Or as you were saying earlier, it really does just have to be a very drying medication for it to be effective. You know, there's uh, something called antihistamine resistance. So what happens is, is that the antihistamine, the histamine receptors actually will fatigue over time in terms of uh, if you continually use uh, antihistamines, especially with oral antihistamines. And they find that, you know, allergists have also found that, you know, in, in, in uh, other conditions, um, more, more noticeably um, like skin, skin conditions, things like that. So basically what it is, is that my recommendation is that you should rotate your antihistamines. You should rotate your oral antihistamines because you do not want to have antihistamine resistance. So in other words, you can go ahead and have them use Claritin. And then if after that, then after they go through the bottle of Claritin, go ahead and switch over to Allegra. After they do that, then go ahead and switch over to Zyrtec. So really, uh, I think that more and more importantly than anything else is to rotate your oral antihistamines. I've never heard of histamine receptor fatigue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's something that allergists found because, you know, when you have um, like itchy rash and everything like that, um, uh, 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 uticaria um, or utrichia, whatever that we like to call that, um, you know, patients will have that. Allergy patients will have, uh, you know, allergists will tell me, oh, yeah, uh, they'll have it for 10 years. So over the 10 year period, you're going to go ahead and keep blasting them with the same oral antihistamine or topical antihistamine? No, you're not going to do that. What you're going to do is that, and the reason why is because they found that you will get antihistamine resistance. So it, it, allergists know this. I mean, that's definitely interesting to think about. And there's so much probably to learn from the systemic angle. Um, what are the main triggers that you see for ocular allergies? Well, you know, okay. So, you know, you, you, you talk about uh, dry eye, you talk about uh, allergy, um, and you say that they're always related and the clinical signs are, well, you know, the reason why is because the triggers are the same. The triggers are very, very similar, but not only that, but you also have asthma. Asthma also falls within that continuum. You have dry eye, you have allergy, and then you also have asthma. So all three of them, what do high pollen counts do? High pollen counts will trigger allergy. High pollen counts will trigger dry eye. Cause we, Leslie, we've done studies on that. Remember with Jen Harthen? And, and Claire Holleran, uh, high pollen count would trigger dry eyes, and also high pollen count will also trigger asthma. What about high temperature? High temperature will trigger asthma, uh, it will also trigger dry eye, and will also trigger allergy. Humidity, the only difference is in humidity is that low humidity would trigger dry eye, but high humidity will trigger allergy, and high humidity will also trigger asthma. So all these things, all have the same kind of triggers. And you see, it's called, it's called the one airway. So what it is, is that that airway is connected through the eye. This is all mucous membrane. So the way the allergists look at it is that the problem is, is that as eye doctors, we see it only as the eye, but allergists see this as one airway. They see it as one unit and it's all connected together. 
It's, it's the ocular surface connected through their station tubes into the ears. You know, you've got the sinuses, goes down into the nose, back of the throat, down into the lungs, which is asthma, correct? So what happens is, is that they see it as one unit. So what they say is that during that time, one part of that one airway may be more inflamed than the others, but they're all related. So you always have to think about treating them all the same or treating when you have one, then you're going to, have to go ahead and treat the other. Support for To The Point comes from Bausch & Lomb. Beautiful and healthy looking eyes? It shouldn't be a compromise. Lumify Eye Illuminations, developed by the experts at Bausch & Lomb exclusively for the sensitive eye area. To cleanse, nourish, and brighten. Lumify Eye Illuminations, only in the eye care aisle. You know, that's a good point. I, I have a question on, on, and you and I have talked about this offline before, but when you have a dry eye patient, we talked about the very high overlap between dry eye and allergies. Is your exam, are there certain, I mean, we kind of alluded to this before, but are there certain clinical signs that you're seeing that's going to make you, like you see a lot of obstruction in the glands, so then you lean more towards treating meibomian gland dysfunction? Or are you sort of like a hey, I'm going to give everybody an allergy eye drop because I believe everybody has this. Even if you see no caruncle staining, no um, papillary response, are you still assuming that? Yes, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, why are they coming in? Are they coming in because it's high pollen counts? Maybe they're coming in because their meibomian glands are obstructed. Is there a connection between meibomian glands, and MGD, and allergy? Yes. I thought you were going to quiz her. There's a connection. <laughs> there's definitely a connection. There's literature that's showing that there is a connection between the two. Well, I guess if you think about that, you know, those studies that he was talking about, if the environment is triggering allergy and, and dry eye symptoms, right? It was triggering both because we would have to look at the pollen count for our area in the day when we were asking the patients these questions. And that was part of it. It's really kind of interesting to think about your eye. I, I mean, it's interesting to know that allergists are thinking about it as one continuous pathway. I don't know that I've really thought about it that way. Well, it's because you're not an allergist. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here, here's the tip. All right, so what it is is that I have a patient come in, and they, you definitely they have allergy, all right? So this is high, high pollen count time. Uh, uh, you, you know that this is an allergy. So this is what I'll tell the patient. I'll, I'll just say, do you know what you're allergic to? And they'll say, no, I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know what I'm allergic to. Okay. So then what I tell them, I says, look at the plant life around where you work and around where you live and, um, take a look at it because I, I went, I went to this really interesting, uh, class, um, uh, one of the college of allergy classes. And what it is, is that what he was talking about is that when you go ahead, you look at what the plant life is and what you have to do is see whether or not it's flowering. So in other words, then they can say, well, look at the plant life at where you work or at your home. Are any of them blooming? Do you see any flowers? Because if you see them and your eyes are miserable, that means you're allergic to that plant. That's a great tip. I mean, now, how much do you feel like if they don't know that you should send them for an allergy panel beyond that? All right. So, okay. So this is going back. I mean, we were talking about before we are offline, we're talking about contact lenses. So I had this patient who uh, was referred, this was like a phone call. You know, I did a phone call uh, 
uh, I didn't actually see the patient. I did a phone call with him and they were referred because they're, you know, out of the area and I was doing it as a favor as a friend. But anyway, um, what they were saying is, is that they were having contact lens dryness problems. And then they sent me a picture of the lenses they were using. They were using, so I, first thing I'm thinking about, okay, are you using daily disposables? Yeah, they're using daily disposables. In fact, they're using total one, which is very, very comfortable. So I'm going, okay, you're using total one. Uh, what other things have they treated? Well, the doctor can't find anything. I mean, I've tried every single drop known to man, every single drug, every single dry eye drug, all these things, nothing work. I can't wear my contacts for longer than four hours and they start bothering me and everything like that. And I said, do your eyes itch? They go, oh yeah, they do. Do you have a runny nose? Oh yeah, I have a lot of runny nose. Do you have uh, your you have dogs and cats? Do they sleep in your? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. My dog, yeah, I just love my dog. Yeah, yeah, they sleep in my bed. So I'm going. Have you ever had a history of allergy? And she said, Oh, absolutely, yes. In fact, in the past, she went ahead and she had an allergy workup, and she was going through the shots. So she had shots, but she goes, it was many, many years ago. And I says, Well. I also, I also had shots too, but what it is, I feel like I may need them again because what happens is the shots over time, the pollen changes, the, the atmosphere changes, that we're real allergic to different things. So I, I, what I suggested to her is that, you know, the problem is, is that I don't think that, you know, I mean, the doctors are, the eye doctors, as, as typically what we do is that we're just chasing after the ocular problems. But I think your root cause is allergy because she says, yeah, she gets runny nose all the time and she's got miserable and she had. And I go, the last time you were tested, what did they? Oh, I was allergic to everything. I'm going, well, I would really, really strongly suggest that what you should do is have an allergy workup and then perhaps going through immunotherapy. And I myself, you know, after learning all this about allergies and everything like that, I was tested. I found out I was more, more or less aller allergic to everything. And I had went through, you know, shots for five years, immunotherapy for five years. And what I noticed is, is that my dry eyes and my allergies just kind of disappeared after that. I mean, they were very, very uh, greatly reduced. So, you know, that is a classic case where, you know, that's, that was the root cause causing all of her problems. And if that gets treated, what I strongly believe is that I told her, I said, I think your contact lens problems are probably going to either go away or get a lot better. So, you know, you get back to me, you know, after you go through all that, and then we can talk about your contact lenses. I had that same experience. Um, I had gotten allergy testing years ago, and I was sitting in the waiting room with the other few patients that had gotten their panels done. And I'm looking at my forearm, which looked like literally I got attacked by about 70 mosquitoes. And then I'm looking at the guy beside me, and his arm was completely void of any bumps. And I thought like, oh boy, I'm really going to have trouble here. <laughs> um, so I found out I was allergic to everything alive pretty much. But um, I did sublingual therapy. So it was like similar to the shots, um, but I did it under my tongue. I don't know. I mean, it did, it did really help. It did really help. I mean, when I was a teenager, I had such bad ocular allergies that my eyes would swell in during ragweed season. You know, I would literally have cold compresses and I made the joke that patinol wasn't around, but it really was. So my mom just didn't know about ocular allergy drops. So I was suffering for no good reason. <laughs> um, it did make a big difference. We did do allergy testing in one of the practices I worked in using that same, you know, the forearm um, test. Uh, and I found it to be very helpful. 
um, especially for patients. I had patients that just started themselves on some major oral antihistamines like Allegra and different things that were really compounding their ocular symptoms. And we found out they weren't really allergic to anything. So once we got them off that medication, it really helped us gain better control of their, of their ocular surface symptoms. So, so was the, was the, where you were working at, were they allergists that were doing the allergy no, testing? No, it was one of, it was that Dr. Rx that was around many, you know, years ago where it was in an ophthalmology practice and you could do the allergy testing in office. Yeah. You know, so uh, the allergists absolutely hate that. I can imagine. <laughs> sort of like us hating the retina exam in the primary care office for diabetes. <laughs> Uh, what they say is that what happens is, is that um, because if you notice that after you do the immunotherapy, after you get the shots and they want you to sit there for a half an hour or an hour or whatever it is, in case you go into anaphylactic shock, so they can go ahead and treat it. So what they say is that when they do the immunotherapy under, um, let's say, by remote or let's say, um, you know, not under the guidance of an allergist, they deliberately, when they do the immunotherapy, they deliberately give you doses that are lower because they don't want the patient to go into anaphylactic shots. So what the thing is, is that the criticism that they have is that the outcomes are not as great or not as good because they're not, you know, they're not titrating the amount of, of uh, immunotherapy. So we use it more as diagnostic. I don't, I never prescribed the treatment for a patient, but I can definitely appreciate that. Um, and now I'm, I don't have access to that. So I like what you said about what's blooming. I think that's a great tip with flowering plants. Um, and, and just if, if they know that they have seasonal allergies, you know, oftentimes patients just also blame everything on allergy, everything. <laughs> so it's sometimes hard to know what, you know, really is allergy. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of interesting, but that that's, yeah. So if you ask the patient, a lot of times they have no idea, but that's one way of, of figuring it out. In fact, uh, if you take a look, um, one of the, it's one of the government sites, what they do is that they have cataloged every single plant in the United States. And what they've done is that they've not only cataloged it, but what they've done is that they've shown it there. I think it's plants.com. I think what, I'm not sure what the site is. I can, if you know, you can ask me later or if you're interested, but what it is, is that you can actually look um, at any uh, specific uh, county and then you could see uh, which kind of plants that are in that particular county. So um, if you're able to um, find that, you know, let's say if the patient, you know, uh, you look on pollen.com and then you see, you know, what the patient's you know, a lot of times they'll tell you, you know, what kind of like it's trees, grasses or whatever it is that, that they're allergic to, that there's high pollen counts. Patient comes in and they say, oh, well, you have high pollen counts. The trees are blooming right now. Well, you can actually look at their, their county, ask them where they're from, look at the county and find out what kind of trees are there. You can you know, do detective work as to, you know, what to expect from, you know, different, you know, uh, different locations. Because as you well know, you know, pollen is, is location based. It's environmental. You know, whenever I'm talking uh, to a, you know, dry eye or allergy patient, I'm always saying like, you know, it's not one thing. It's never one thing that's really like causing it. It's like a little meibomian gland dysfunction. It's a little demodex. It's a little bufflitis. It's a little allergies. And I think this is a good lesson to have us remember to not overlook allergies and how much of a role they can play in our dry eye patients. We're always talking dry eye, dry eye, dry eye, but there sounds to be like such, and there is such an overlap between those two things. So I think this is a good 
refresher on um, thinking about allergy, even if they're not itchy. Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely right. You know, there's a a test and and, um, a questionnaire that um, Leslie's familiar with. We call it the TOS, and that's the total ocular symptom score. And there's four different domains for that. One of them is itch. uh, The other one is swelling. The other one is tearing and the other one's redness. So, uh, you know, allergy uh, in terms of ocular allergy composes of those three major categories or four major categories. It's not just all about itch. Well, I was just going to say thanks so much to, to Milt for imparting his wisdom um, and exciting that you are a fellow in the Allergy Society. What did you call that? American Academy of Allergy? American College of Allergy, Asthma. This is another title I wasn't aware of. So congratulations on that. And it's nice that you can kind of bring some of that information to us in the eyes. So we thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much for inviting me. the to the point wrap up. When managing dry eye, remember there is much overlap with ocular allergies. Some common symptoms are itching, watering, and redness. It's okay to combine therapies for these patients using antihistamine topical medications in addition to your foundational dry eye therapies, but targeting both disease states will achieve your best outcomes.